The impact space and in particular green technologies was heavily supported in the last 12 months. Um, we had the biggest boost in investment now reaching billions. Welcome to Mission Capital, the Invest Austria podcast. We talk with private capital investors about growing and scaling innovative companies. My name is Laura and I'm happy to welcome Lubomila today. We will talk about the importance of impact investing and her company, Plan A. Hi, Lubomila. Nice to have you here. Hi, Laura. Could you say a few words about yourself? My name is Lubomila. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Plan A, where software is a service platform for decarbonization of corporates. Uh, we work with more than a thousand businesses from all over the world. Nice to have you. We will start with our three intro questions for today. One word about the tech ecosystem in Austria. Family. Every time that I've been in Austria, I feel like I always have met a really close-knit of group of uh, people that really trust each other, know each other well. It's also a fairly small one in comparison to other uh, European countries, uh, which makes it, I would say, in some ways many, many times more effective than um, some of the larger ones that I also have some visibility on. Yeah, definitely also advantages with, which, which are coming with a smaller size of a country. And one wish for the future of the CE location. I hope that the innovation that is being created in CE is becoming more visible and is being funded better. We still see discrepancies between Western Europe and uh, Eastern, even though the innovation in many times actually is um, equally as good or sometimes even better because there's history of deep tech, there's history of deep understanding of engineering. Um, so Hopefully, we'll see in the coming years a lot more unicorns coming from there. Yeah, definitely. Also great opportunities for investors to still go deeper into the region. And what's the most important learning from your journey? Persistence is the key characteristic of an entrepreneur. And uh, sadly, or positively on a daily basis, I get to be reconfirmed that because if one thing is working, there's always another five that you still have in the back of your mind that you need to either fix I do see a lot of perseverance, a lot of persistence to have helped me get to the place where I am today. Yeah, I think there are a lot of things which um, other founders can also learn from you and maybe you will also share something in the podcast today. So we are coming to our main part. The climate crisis is more present than ever and it's high time to actively do something about it. And in the best case, business and also social impact can combine, as we also see at the example of Plan A. So we will go deeper into your company, your mission and also your personal brand today. To start with, what's the mission of Plan A and also what's your personal mission and how did you start a company? Planning's mission is to support businesses navigate their net zero journey using technology and scientific knowledge. We have developed a software that enables businesses to map out the to-do list associated to the uh, decarbonization, to report according to different ESG standards, and to engage their stakeholders like their suppliers, investments, so that everyone uh, from the same value chain goes on the same uh, journey. My journey with this company kicked off in 2016. I was working happily in the finance sphere. I've always been in finance, investment banking, VC, investor relations, uh, and at the end, fintech. But in 2016, I was constantly confronted with the topic of climate change, be it by friends that were telling me about it, 
be it by uh, the news because it was starting to become more prominent to see some uh, extreme weather events. But most importantly, a trip in Morocco uh, actually changed my mind significantly where instead of surfing, I ended up cleaning beaches for a week. And after coming back from this trip, I really felt the need to learn more systemically what the problem was, structure my understanding, and then hopefully develop a view of how I can act on it. One year down the line, I had learned enough and decided that I needed to build a product for that. I even taught myself user experience uh, uh, design, uh, also did some other courses, but my main focus was really to understand the climate crisis. And in 2017, Planet was born. Uh, it was a company that focused on climate risk uh, at the get-go. Uh, from today's perspective, we shaped it into navigating the decarbonization journey of businesses. Did you always want to be an entrepreneur? I don't think I had any interest in being myself an entrepreneur. I definitely was really seduced by the uh, entrepreneurship idea by joining young companies. I worked in fintech uh, as a final stunt before plan A. Before that, I also participated in some accelerators as a, a weekend advisor uh, where I would just join and help with the business knowledge that I had uh, and experience that I had gathered in my career. But I never felt that I had an urge to build my own company. It came as a natural drive because of seeing that the climate change crisis was so large in magnitude and in impact. And on the other hand, there was no solutions that were out there in 2016, tackling at scale all of the systemic problems that we needed to address as soon as possible. It felt like the only option that I had was to roll up my sleeves and start building a company myself. And if you look back to the six years since you have founded Plan A, what were like the most important milestones for you you've reached? I think there's a lot of milestones, but the ultimate recurring theme is people. Uh, I feel like at the get-go, I was supported by people that trusted me with their money, with their time. Uh, when I just had an idea, these were the first investors in the company. Uh, my family also supported me and they never questioned uh, why am I leaving a well-paid career. Uh, when in 2016, tech was still defined as the Googles and the Amazons of this world. It was not really that everyone was building their own company. The first people that trusted me in joining Plan A, uh, my co-founder Nathan, uh, also uh, some people that are still with us uh, who kicked off their journey as interns, but then down the line became managers. Uh, like I'm thinking of uh, uh, a wonderful guy called Tom, And um, now, from today's perspective, there's been a lot of mentors and a lot of people who have added this step along the way that has pushed me up and has allowed me to really progress uh, well um, myself. Uh, and then by a definition, obviously, contribute to Plan A with all of my efforts because Plan A is an overwhelmingly big part of my existence. Yeah, I think it's it's really impressive and also something which should really make you proud. Like if it's not just your vision, it's like the vision of a lot of people and also you're all supporters, your clients, and you just bring every, everybody together in a kind of community, but also create a lot of impact and also measurement. So congrats to that. Coming to a more overview of the um, impact investing and also um, impact startup landscape in Europe, where do you see the developments going? What are current trends and also where you see the crisis affecting positively or negatively in that field? 
The impact space and in particular green technologies was heavily supported in the last 12 months. Um, we had the biggest boost in investment now reaching billions, uh, significantly larger amount than what we had the year before or even the year after uh, or the year even before that in 2020. I think that the COVID crisis really accelerated the understanding that climate change was a problem we needed to address at scale. Uh, we were starting to also see at the same time a lot of negative repercussions of climate change uh, in different shapes and forms, such as extreme weather events. Today, we see this on a daily basis. So all of these different elements combined kind of boosted the understanding of people that this was a topic that will overwhelmingly define the economic stability um, of the world. From today's perspective, of course, the name of the game has changed a little bit. Uh, we have incredibly unstable uh, quarter that we just passed. I think the next few months are also not going to be perfect for entrepreneurs. And the time for speculative investments is done. Uh, I think the good thing about environments like the Austrian one, for example, or Central Eastern Europe is that the speculativeness was not all as high as in places like Germany, UK, France, where big ideas like 10-minute delivery companies would get in the billions within a quarter. It just is a little bit of a different culture, which I think from today's perspective is good. But the overall feeling is that green technology will continue to be supported only with the caveat that the solutions that are out there that require and request money with at least some traction and also have uh, some big vision for a big problem that they need to solve. Um, I don't think just a sustainable label uh, attached to an old model of a startup is now in today's reality going to be supported. You really need to be fixing actual problems. Yeah, I think it's super important and relevant what you're saying. I mean, we have also seen a lot of startups who were, for example, just doing carbon measurements, but not like really going into the actionable space. And I mean, there were also some um, issues with what are really good ways to reduce it. And so maybe can you also give some insights in um, what is really going well and like how do you do it and what do you figure it out also on your journey? We've been incredibly lucky to attract as a company a um, big group of scientists who have a lot of know-how, but also incredibly powerful um, view of how these fundamental large-scale problems, uh, systemic uh, chains of issues can be uh, addressed at scale. And with their know-how, we've embedded into the product an algorithm that, based on the data that has been gathered, can automatically give a prescription where and how it is best for a business to take action and what will be the most effective pathway to be able to do that. Um, we work with a lot of different large-scale companies and from the beginning it was really important that we're able to solve for them the problem of value chain engagement, but then also value chain uh, action uh, enablement. We work with companies like BMW, companies like Chloe, uh, the fashion giant, also large institutions like the European Commission, all of these have different problems, but they're unified by the need to engage their stakeholders like suppliers, like their investments, like their logistics partners um, to essentially enable uh, decarbonization at scale. And that's the logic in which the product has been developed. Yeah, so adding science is definitely a game changer if you have the resources to do so. Coming to another topic, basically, <clears throat> 
as you have, have been really active also on LinkedIn and have building your personal brand, what's your main motivation behind it? Was it like planned or did it more or less happen? And also maybe you can also share more about that. It actually happened. Uh, it was never a plan. I've never spoken to an agency that does marketing activities on LinkedIn or something like this. From the beginning uh, of Plan A, before even I was using LinkedIn for us, and for me personally, when I was kicking off the journey before Plan A even existed, education has been the key to understand what problem I'm trying to solve, because I feel like I need to be able to walk on two legs when I'm trying to explain to someone where they need to go uh, and what kind of vision they need to inspire to achieve. So um, with this in mind, um, a few years back, I started posting on LinkedIn just articles that I found useful for myself. Uh, with a little bit of an analysis, uh, my thoughts and the things that I had learned. Um, I also started engaging uh, in some events. Um, so from these events, I would translate the content uh, in uh, LinkedIn format. And today uh, I am incredibly honored to be a LinkedIn influencer, which is a badge of honor that LinkedIn gives you for your consistency in posting and for the engagement that your community has. Um, and it's been amazing to see the growth in the community and also to see the topics that they feel comfortable speaking to me about. Um, I remember when um, the floods in Pakistan were happening, I was getting so many messages from Pakistan with photos from the ground. When the energy crisis hit, people were asking what are the ways in which you can save energy in personal messages. And I feel like this is a level of trust that uh, I really cherish and I hope that with all the content that comes out of me, there's confidence that it instills in people that we do have the know-how to act. Um, and also each one of us can be a change maker. Yeah, I mean, it's also a huge power you can create in the community if you also can reach a lot of people in, in LinkedIn. Where do you see in general LinkedIn as a platform going, um, which was also like developed and also changed in the past few years? LinkedIn is a really powerful tool for finding talent, uh, also for finding prospects uh, that can work with you. Um, I don't want to hide the fact that we have definitely found clients there because people learn from our content also what we do and uh, they do feel uh, confident to reach out and say, would you be open to a call? I want to learn more. I think LinkedIn will be going uh, forward, still continue to be an incredibly important platform it's one where people respect the kind of content that they post. Uh, they don't uh, just randomly share their thoughts. They really think about them because they know that their uh, resume is essentially being defined with every single post that they have. And it is less of a place where people gossip or, or just share uh, interesting, but maybe a bit random information. It really is uh, a place of growth. Um, now they've introduced an educational platform, which I find really interesting. So you can upskill yourself in today's reality where the workplace is shifting so much, um, where we've had uh, events like the Great Resignation, uh, like last year and the year before. It is of utmost importance that we have uh, possibilities to learn of how we can reshape our career without being defined by templates. So they've been pushing a lot of these ideas, education, community building, engagement, also growth, uh, I think this will continue to be important. Uh, and I look forward to continuing to contribute. Yeah, also looking forward to read more of your postings. And do you have any tips for people who want to start or founders who want to start a personal brand on, on LinkedIn? How should they start? What is exciting? I think LinkedIn could 
seem a little bit of a scary place if you've never posted because it feels like everything is so polished and people have thought so well about all the sentences that they have posted. But the truth is, is that like everything in life, it's just a matter of testing yourself and doing a few experiments. You don't need to write perfect essays uh, to kick off your LinkedIn journey. Small steps and consistency is what really helps. Um, posting something that you find interesting, uh, asking a question about a topic that you would like to learn more about, really engaging in a way that you would engage in an offline community uh, would really help. And doing this frequently because LinkedIn does not appreciate the algorithm is uh, prone to promote uh, people that are, are continuously engaged with their community. And uh, with this in mind, uh, it really matters that uh, you build a rapport with also the audiences that you have uh, access to. And you also have that LinkedIn newsletter you send out. How is that working and how did you get into position of writing it? I'm really proud of the newsletter because I found it to be uh, a useful tool that many people refer to when they see me for the first time and they say that they've learned. I actually cried at COP27 because uh, three people came to me one after the other, one event after the other. I spoke at 10 events there, so it was quite of a busy agenda uh, to tell me that they quit their job because uh, they had been consistently reading my LinkedIn posts and my newsletter And uh, they found it convincing enough and uh, enough of a foundational knowledge for them to move on to the next stage of their career. Uh, I do think that it is important to share knowledge in a structured manner. Uh, in the newsletter, the knowledge is shared in a way that it allows for people that are new to the topic, but also those that are maybe a little bit more familiar to both find uh, an angle where they're engaged. It also is contemporary because on a weekly basis, you can get the latest news about climate change. So you don't need to go and scroll uh, through a lot of news feeds. Um, there's always a selection of the most important news of the week. And there's also part analysis. So there's also uh, uh, some thinking about how to consider some issues that are coming up or have been part of uh, what we do. There's at the moment 37,000 followers, uh, which is really exciting. Uh, on LinkedIn, my followers are above 71,000. Um, and uh, I can proudly say that uh, the, the followers are more than those of Bloomberg. So <laughs> hopefully we continue the engagement to a level where people wishing uh, further this topic and they find it uh, more exciting than maybe some more generic news. Yeah, I mean, what's, what's most important is that new people access the area and also get educated and also, yeah know what is important so yeah really congrats on that really great achievement and i mean like everything is so exciting you have the newsletter you have your linkedin profile you are the ceo at your own company but like how do you handle everything and you're at a lot of events <laughs> <laughs> i must say at the end of last year and i'm being fully honest i went back uh, for christmas uh, to sofia uh, where i'm from and i really felt a bit overwhelmed because You know this feeling when you have been under a lot of pressure for a long time and then you let go and all of a sudden you feel like your body is falling apart, your mind is uh, quite exhausted. I lost my voice for two weeks uh, and my voice is my biggest uh, tool uh, given I speak a lot uh, at sales events or like sales meetings or at events. So it's not always easy and I don't want to uh, glorify the pressure under which uh, I have been. And I think it is a choice that I've made to be committed to planning, uh, but 
it should be uh, a balancing act, which definitely last year I didn't have. I spoke at 150 events and we grew the company from 30 to 120. Uh, we're on the same trajectory for this year, but with uh, a bit more mindfulness about uh, how to manage my also mental health because at the end of last year wasn't easy. Uh, so not uh, it's not a straightforward game. I think meditation, yoga, taking time off for yourself and also listening to your body are probably the key pillars for having a peace of mind that you can continue going on this marathon rather than the sprint. I definitely also thank you for being so open and sharing this because I think a lot of people struggle, like doesn't matter which position and also if it's your own company or you employ it, I think it's just yeah, kind of normal that at some point you can struggle with it and you need to take action also for your own self. Absolutely, yeah. It's... A stigma, unfortunately, still in society to speak about mental health. Uh, we introduced in Plan A, actually, a mental health uh, program because it sometimes it could be even difficult for, uh, I can speak about myself, to openly communicate these things, uh, especially if you need to hold the guard for the whole company to show a face where people uh, definitely feel uh, like you are the pillar that they want to be reliant on. But... It is incredibly important for any entrepreneur listening to understand that you can't assume the quality of your work coming out uh, at the highest level possible if you are not at your highest level of focus, happiness, uh, also consistency of mind, stability. Uh, and the moment when you drop the guard of your on your mental health, all of these things start falling apart one after the other. And I think It just is important to be constantly mindful of this. It's not always going to be perfect. I can speak about myself that it has not always been easy, but definitely once you catch yourself not being okay, you just need to stop and find a way to fix it, be it with a larger fix where you take the day off or with a, uh, or a week off if things are not really good or just by getting a little meditation uh, for 10 minutes in the madness of your day yeah definitely like this is so important and i'm also happy that we see more about it and also more is shared about mental health and we see more on linkedin for example we talk more about that in events and also in personal conversations and i think this is really doing well for the startup ecosystem especially long term so yeah thanks for for sharing that again so coming to my last question If you would have one free wish in transforming the current startup ecosystem, what would you do and where would you start? At the KPIs. At the moment, the only way a startup is being judged is based on the bottom line, the cash to burn ratio, which I think is important because obviously you want to build a sustainable business, but error levels and no one, when you look into our sphere, uh, is actually actually asking you consistently but what impact did you deliver? I think this kind of KPI is not only applicable to a company like Plan A, but also to someone that works on marketing optimization or someone that works on um, e-scooters. There is a lot of externalities to the businesses that we built. And if we're not asked about them, these negative impacts or positive impacts are going to persistently increase and we wouldn't know about them. And If it's negative aspects, they need to be fixed. If it's positive, they need to be amplified. I feel like this leads to a larger problem, which is the fundamental definition of the different mechanisms for funding that exist for startups out there. We know and we constantly speak about venture capital. We constantly hear about angel investors, uh, private equity. Uh, but 
ultimately one of the reasons why so many companies have flocked to funding like grants from the European Union is because um, there is the type of innovation that requires a lot of working capital. If you're in the chemistry business, if you're in the hardware business, there is also the type of innovation that requires uh, a lot of different uh, long-term thinking where you're talking about fusion or uh, bigger challenges uh, that need to be tackled, like reestablishing the full waste management system. If you think about these, the traditional ways of funding with shorter cycles of return between five to 10 years just don't work because in the same way that we've created these problems, so we need to fix them probably within a decade rather than within a few years. Yeah, so maybe also the current crisis also when it comes to the funding set will maybe also show and adapt and maybe also change in a way you have also described it. So maybe it's also always an opportunity if like status if the status quo is different then also changes are required so um, let's see and hope the best for the future and yeah really thank you for being part of mission capital today it was nice to have you thank you so much laura for having me it's always a pleasure to connect with you and also with the austrian ecosystem i hope to see you soon Dieser Podcast wird produziert von Stefan Tesch.